You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Hello and welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle. I'm an attorney and betrayal recovery expert who believes that betrayal uncovers the truth, not about other people and what they did to us and why that was so unfair, although that absolutely can happen too, but it uncovers the truth about who we are and how we have betrayed ourselves by dimming our light. Today, we have got a big show that is designed to shift your perspective, to get you outside of yourself, and to help you be able to see things from a different, much broader perspective, a multidimensional perspective, to be precise, so you can more easily understand and then begin to bridge the gap between heartbreak and that sense of collapse into yourself and the kind of multidimensional expansion where you're able to feel a sense of true oneness and joy. Our guest is Lee Harris, and he's the author of Awaken Your Multidimensional Soul, which is the second book in his Conversations with Aziz series and Energy Speaks. He is a gifted, intuitive, and channeler. He leads a vibrant online community that reaches 1 million people every single month. His acclaimed online events, Members Community, The Portal, and Top 50 Spirituality Podcast, Impact the World, are adventures into the deepest aspects of living and loving and awakening. Leah is also an accomplished music producer and singer-songwriter whose acclaimed albums have charted as high as number one on the iTunes and Amazon New Age charts. Of course, I will link his information, but you can also go right now and write this down, leeharrisenergy.com. And with that, welcome to the show, Lee. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much, Laura. It's always so weird when you hear like your bio read out because you you sound very busy. <laughs> it's all <laughs> compressed into one paragraph, and you're like, "Wow, it's quite a, it's quite a lot been going on." But when you're in it every day, you're just chopping wood, carry water. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being here. Let's begin just with the title of your book because I'm not. If listeners are not familiar with you, the title of the book might confuse them a little bit. It's the conversations with the Z's series. What what is conversations with the Z's? Who are the Z's? And can you just frame what this book is? Yes. So the Z's are the guides I have been speaking to and channeling for others since I was 23 years old. Uh, I heard them when I was on a tube train, uh, which is the subway, the London Underground. I was going to my job in fundraising at the time, fundraising for Greenpeace while I was trying to figure my way out to get into the music industry. I just made an album and, you know, all all of that was my path or so I thought. And I was very interested in personal development, spirituality, but I was not at all interested in channeling. 
and I had been taken to a channeler, but I was a little, I wasn't skeptical of his information because his information was brilliant and really bang on. Uh, but I remember leaving the room and going, well, he was a really nice man. And why did he have to close his eyes and put on a funny voice to give me that information? Surely he could have just done that because I had been to tarot readers and other intuitives. So channeling to me was just a very new thing. And lo and behold, it happened to me a couple of years later. And for me, the surprise was my guide said, we have been with you all of the time. We've been with you since you were little, but you stopped hearing us when you were six. Uh, it wasn't appropriate for you or your life to have maintained contact with us and your life wasn't supporting that. So we just sat back uh, and have been with you all of this time, much the same way that they say that we're all working with whether they're guides or spirits or loved ones who've passed over that come in to angelically support and nudge us or support us or love us or steer us in a certain direction with quiet messages that we may not realize are coming from the loved one. We think it's our mind or suddenly we, we, we find ourselves looking down a street the way that we've never looked before and we see the sign we need. They say there are many ways that spirit works with us, but we all do have a guide team or an angelic team that surround us. And they said it was part of my contract to hear mine. And after about three, four years at the pushing of a friend who I used to help with information from the Z's and several other friends I had that were spiritual who I would help, she said, you should do this. You should do this uh, for, for work. You should offer it to the public. Again, I was very skeptical. I didn't think anyone would come, but it, it, it took off like a rocket. And so, um, you know, one of the great spiritual lessons I've been taught is uh, go where things are working, provided it feels true to you and it lights you up. This other avenue I was trying to make happen wasn't, the doors weren't opening. And then over on the right, this thing that I never saw coming, never wanted, was a little challenged by uh, because yeah, you don't really want to turn to all your quote unquote normal friends who you have a great time with and say, oh, now I'm channeling my guides because we still have certainly back then 24 years ago, a lot of stigma around it, but it's changed my life. Uh, having their perspective infuse my worldview and my experience changed my life, opened up my intuition and then offering this work to people for the last it will be 20 years in 2024 has radically changed my life and my experiences. That's amazing. And, and I appreciate that you use the word perspective and how it has changed your perspective and then therefore your life. And so many of the people listening to this show have first had their perspective changed radically when they found out that a person that they loved or trusted betrayed them and they're knocked down. And now sometimes the idea of like, okay, great. Now I can listen to my guides or spirit or source and they can change my perspective and lift me back up. But where were they in the first place? Oh, I love that you say that. So I had, I have a course, um, which we've just, we, we open it about once a year. It's called empaths and narcissists. And the, the, the byline of the course is a power dynamic and how to recover from it because I was someone who even with the spiritual awareness I was tapping into on a human level, my wounds led me into three romantic relationships that were quite toxic. Like many toxic relationships, they had great things, they had wonderful things, and they had things that initially 
were balancing something in me, otherwise I wouldn't have walked there. But one of the things I, sh I, I kind of came to realize through my own journey and through working with lots and lots of people who had found themselves in relationships that damaged them at the end or that made them lose their sense of self, my phrase for it, and we can call it whatever we want, is the abandoned self. When we abandon parts of our own confidence or parts of our own strength in order to defer to someone else who might have an agenda that isn't really looking out for our benefit, but because of either our low self-esteem, which I certainly had, um, or our belief that we should let them have the power and we should go along with it, you find yourself very, very empty at the ends of those relationships. And of course, betrayal is a different form of it. When you think that you and another person are in a loving, conscious agreement with each other about what the two of you are doing, and then all of a sudden, overnight, the, the rug is pulled. And there, I'm sure there are similarities in those two, but the reason I call it the abandoned self is what I noticed in myself and many other people was, it's almost like I was contracting power to others outside me. So I was attracted to these seemingly powerful people, but I wasn't checking how rounded, grounded or kind their power was. And it was usually too late by the time it, I, I kind of came to learn that they were playing power games with people around them, including me. And what I realized is there were parts of my own power that I either hadn't ever got in touch with therefore I was attracted to it in them, or I was deferring my power to be with them or think, oh, I should hold my myself back. I shouldn't say my truth. I shouldn't. And I would be in toxic relationships, which I was equally creating. And that, of course, you don't feel that at the moment of the pain. At the moment of the shock, the grief, the betrayal, the horror of it, you're just in horror. And I mean, it can, it took me, oh God, a year and my worst one took me a year and a half to even start to kind of get up off the floor. Um, but what I realized as time went on, when I looked back, when I was no longer in the threat of the relationship and I looked at the way I had played my side of things, I was like, wow, if, if I had been a little different, that wouldn't have happened to me. And the one gift I do say to anybody, and this relates to anyone who's been betrayed, your intuition and your sense of both yourself and the dynamic between you and another person, whether it's a friend, a family member, a business partner, or, or a lover, gets very honed when you take off the rose-tinted, hopeful goggles and you really pay attention to what's actually happening. And once you've gone through uh, one or two times where that person and you, you know, they've, they've let you down, they've hurt you, they've betrayed you, you start to smell it in other people and you learn how to boundary yourself or give less of yourself to that person when they come along. So the lesson can be repetitive, but if you're willing to be aware and awake and lean into the healing of it, you will heal, you will change and you won't replay that pattern. There's so many things that you said that I would love to branch off of. I will start, though, with when you said it took you a year and a half to start. Thank you for that, because so often those of us who have been betrayed, me, the people that I work with, we have this idea that I should heal. I should be able to fix this. It's been a week. It's been a month. And there's a lot going on inside. 
gosh. Okay. So like you, there's so many things. What I will say is here's what I now know about spirituality. Having been a student of it for 30 years, well, 31 now, since I was 16. And, um, and also having been someone working in this field for 20 years. So I've seen how we as a culture interact with spirituality. Um, spirituality can be a really safe place to go to when your life isn't working. And so if you're not careful, it can be an escape hatch that you compartmentalize in your life. You go, well, I, I have an awful day, so I go to spirituality to feel better. But actually, that's not how it's supposed to work. Sure, go to spirituality to feel better. But at a certain point, spirituality says to you, okay, I've taught you everything you have to know about manifesting affirmations, gratitude, kindness. Now you have to go back into that body of yours and step by step, month by month, year by year, slowly work through the layers of wounding that you're carrying. So a huge thing I talk about in my work, because this is what the Z's say is, we get very personal about our wounds. So for me, for years, I carried, God, I'm, I'm so ashamed of myself, or I wish I wasn't so hard on myself. What's wrong with me? And they say, it's not about you. They say these are cultural human wounds that we're all swimming in. And from the minute we're born, we're interacting with them. And they're just not often spoken about. People aren't often conscious about them. People are angry at you. You feel the brunt of their anger and you go, God, I feel ashamed. Well, deep down in them, there is some kind of shame that they are running from. And they're running from it through projecting anger at others. So when you look at the layers of energy behind these dynamics, you start to go, oh, wow, we're all somewhere on these scales. For me, the year and a half piece and why I share it is I was someone who was channeling. I'd done so many personal development workshops. I'd done, I'd done a lot of healing on myself. And I was, uh, you know, probably 15 years into my journey when my worst happened to me and I really hit rock bottom. It was the worst year and a half of my life, but it was the making of the new me. And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have leveled so much of my past patterns. And it was hell to go through. And there were days I didn't want to be alive because it just, I couldn't take the pain anymore. And I, I realized later I'd had a, a nervous breakdown, basically. I couldn't do simple things like tidy a room for about nine months. And that didn't make sense to me. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I organize things? Because I was so... And I was having a spiritual awakening as well, but I didn't realize. So the reason it's important for us to know that sometimes grief can grab you by the neck for a year, maybe even two, but we don't really know what grief is doing as we go through it. And the Z's, my guides talk about grief. They call it the great transformer. They say, when you're grieving, you tend to focus on the emotions, the thing you've lost the person you miss, the part of you that's sad that something has changed. But what you have no idea about is underneath all of those feelings, there is this chrysalis happening inside you. And so when I got to about a year into my terrible year and a half, I realized a little bit of maturity had, had arrived in me when one day I committed to get better rather than you know, having those suicidal ideation thoughts of, I don't want to be here anymore. Should I really think about that? Because this is awful. But when I got to that breakthrough moment where I was sat there and I thought, well, this is the worst my life has ever been. And I know the law of energy 
what goes down will come up. So I thought, I'm curious what's on the other side of this, but I'm going to be more patient than I normally would be. And I'm going to give this a year and I'm going to slowly work on for a year repairing myself. And I'm not going to expect to be happy next week because that's just me trying to run from these horrible feelings. But I am going to commit to a year from now, I'm going to be in a more open space, a brighter space and open and, and, and be finding the joy and the gratitude. And it was interesting because as soon as I made that decision, I'm not going to say that everything got better in a few days. It didn't, but I allowed the possibility of seeing good things. And I couldn't have got there without going through the dredge I had gone through for many, many months. So one of the things in spirituality we have to be careful about, we can learn a spiritual concept. We can learn that it it can be very abundant to have gratitude. We can go, okay, well then I'll say I'm grateful every day for a week. And then on day eight, you're like, why didn't I get the Ferrari? That's just, it's all part of it. It's not black and white. It's, this is why our souls are multidimensional. There's the part of us that's light and bright. And there's the part of us that can be a bit depressed and a bit grumpy. And all we're ever trying to do is to broaden the scope of, of how much we can allow. We don't want to get stuck in depressed and grumpy and that be our main identity for a year. What we want to do is go, huh, that's interesting. What does that part of me need? Well, that part of me needs to feel some hope. That part of me needs to feel loved. That part of me needs to go to a therapist or read a book about childhood trauma. Cause yeah, I had an alcoholic parent too and I'd never connected the dots. I thought I was just a depressed person. I had no idea that I'm traumatized and that that's why I'm depressed because I'm scared to think things will be good. So you start unpacking that and that's our journey. Our disease will say, you're here to heal yourself mm-hmm. and to evolve beyond the wounds that we're all kind of swimming in so that you can become more of the, more of the lighter and the brighter more of the time, not all of the time because we're human, we're, in, we're on a journey. And they say, then you put that energy into the world just because you are the formula of transformation. So I sit here and I'm talking to you about that year and a half I was on the floor. And I know that happened to me, but I also feel a bit like it was a different person. But the fact that I could be so low and then really be at the the happiest, most peaceful I've ever been in my life, generally on an everyday basis, I'm like, wow, I, I kind of made it. And Thank you, universe, and thank you all the people who supported me. And and also, I have to say thank you to myself on some level for being willing to think I could I could get there, but I was willing to go the slower way rather than the quick, I'll read an affirmation book and hope that I'm just happy forever because I had to let go of that um, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sensing a parallel between what you talked about a little bit earlier with some people use religion, turn to religion, but they don't really integrate it. They're not really working with it. In the same way, I think some people kind of use happiness. I'm happy. I feel fine. Everything's great. And it's not. And when you use the word multidimensional, I love that because it's multidimensional within us. I am all emotions. But it's also multidimensional around us with others and then at a cosmic level as well. It's true. It's really well put. And and I'm always interested, you know, are you using your religion and your spirituality to judge, chastise yourself or others? Or are you using your religion and your spirituality to become more connected to the world and to others? So it's interesting whenever you see 
very indoctrinated religion, uh, you know, where we have seen religion used as an excuse to kill others, to judge others, to maim others. That's not coming from the, the, the that's not coming from Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness doesn't want us all killing each other or ostracizing each other. Now, you may have been indoctrinated to believe that, and that's fine. Equally, we've seen spiritual cults. We've seen guru cults. We've seen power abuse. So I think it's interesting that, you know, the truth is that we all have our spiritual compass inside us. It's going to look a little different for each of us. Um, but I think the multidimensional piece is so important because none of us are one thing to others or to ourselves. You could get your five best friends, Laura, or I could get my five best friends, and they would say, describe Laura, describe Lee. There would be some commonalities, but there would be each person would have a couple of specific different things about you because the way you interact with them creates a slightly different version of you because of the chemical reaction. Like, this is the friend I can really laugh with. All my friends say I have a great sense of humor, but boy, oh boy, me and this friend, it's on. And so they will describe in detail the humor. And it's it's not that the, the others are describing you inaccurately. It's that none of us are completely the same. We are multidimensional. And that's why we like connecting with each other. And that's why we all have different music artists and different novelists that we like and different comedians. You know, I like a range of all of those things because the range inside me can connect with and resonate with those parts. So I think that's where you, the black and white thinking, which we see in our culture, and it's very dangerous. It leads to division, it leads to war, it leads to separation. And, and a lot of that is fed to us from the top down. That's not necessarily our fault. Many of us have been trained that way. We have to break out of that training. And we also have to allow ourselves to be, okay, well, I'll let this feeling I'm having today come and go. Because in the moment you feel depressed, especially if, you, if you're if you a feeling person, God, I used to panic when I felt down. I used to, oh no, and I would believe that was my whole state. That's where I was on the empathic scale before I learned to balance myself more. And now I'm like, oh, okay, I'm feeling a bit down. Okay, well, I'll surrender. And the quicker I go, okay, this feeling will move through me. And is there anything I need to know about it or do about it? Sometimes I investigate, sometimes I just go, okay, well, I'll, I'll just let it ride or I'll, I'll do something else. And, and it, it's amazing how we all move every single day. So that to me is why I'm going to hold the book up because I just got my copies yesterday. That's to me why um, Awaken Your Multidimensional Soul. Um, I really liked that that was the title that got extracted for this book because it, it really talks to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to hold up book one because I have that and I just have a galley of book two. So I don't have. Fantastic. But, Thank you. Yeah, yes, you're welcome. But you talked about Christ consciousness in there. And I'd love to kind of go back to that as well, because when we're being multidimensional, when we're being everything, when we're being all of it all at the same time, that means we have to hold space for the good and the bad, quote unquote, I don't like characterizing things as good and or bad because there's more than that but just to simplify it it means we have to hold space for the good and the bad within ourselves the happy and the sad within ourselves but then also the good and the bad the happy and sad within others and i know that a lot of people listening to this show really struggle with forgiveness forgiveness mm -hmm. of the people that betrayed them and there is a tension between 
hurt people hurt people. And I know you hurt me out of your wounding. And I know we are still one. And I am also still in pain and I choose to have a boundary around you. And it's that push pull. And I'd love to go there a little bit. Mm, that's really interesting. It's funny, as you were talking, I got this, I just got this image of, you know, when we get hurt by someone else, it's like an arrow that gets shot into our body by them. And the worst hurts are usually the ones that hit a point in us that's already a bit sore or that has happened before. Not always, sometimes the wound is fresh, but often it's the ones that kind of get you in a spot that's a challenging area for you. And I, I, I completely know the part of me that spent a lot of time focusing on the one that shot the arrow rather than going, how do I pull this out my chest? And how do I let my chest heal? And sometimes it hurts so much, my focus would go, oh God, I can't, oh, I, uh, you know, and I'd be upset or I'd be angry. I'd be like, how could they? And, and actually what the only thing that really worked for me was to go, okay, well, this happened and I can't go back in time and I can't, I have to forgive myself for being somewhat party to this, even if you go, but I didn't do anything, you know, fair enough. There are some terrible situations that people find themselves in that do not in any way seem justified at all, but you have to really kind of cycle through all the emotions that come up for you. And it can be great to write it down. That can help you get it out of being this invisible force that's moving through your psyche, writing down, you know, I'm furious at them. I'm angry at them. I wish I'd never. And you're doing it as an exercise. You're not doing it to send them that letter or anything. You're doing it for you because what you're doing is reclaiming you. And so long as you've put a boundary there or you've separated from the person and you've recognized, okay, for whatever reason, this person is not safe for me. This person is not loving to me. Me and this person are not a good formula for me. You start to recover yourself and um, you know, you have to forgive, you know, there's that, that I, I like the saying, um, forgive, but don't forget. Yeah. It's not that you have to forgive or condone what the person did necessarily. Cause you may not, you know, there are terrible things that people do and you, you may never go to your grave thinking, oh yeah, what they did was fine, but you do have to unhook yourself from the psychic and emotional relationship with them. And I know, and that take, that takes time. For me, it was burning through the layers of emotion. It was, it was over and over saying, what happened to me? What happened to me? Like I was just in shock for such a long period of time because I had been so open yeah. and I had been so open and I had overly attached and been overly open. And I'd been in relationships where I was emotionally compensating. So I would choose people who had either emotional disconnects or wounds or worst case scenario with a couple of them emotional abusive behavior verbal abuse i never had physical abuse to me but i had a lot of verbal i had a lot of emotional i had a lot of um uh, being punished for my supposed actions that displeased them that didn't make any sense to me so so for me it was it was working my it was kind of getting my own body back and learning not to let someone have dominion over me at that level again, and then really asking myself, why was I doing that? What part of me thinks to have connection or love 
I need to just completely immerse myself in someone else's energy field. And I had to really figure that out. One of the great healings for me came in 2010 when I was reading uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's wonderful book, Eat, Pray, Love. And she nailed it. And I don't know whether she came up with this or whether this was a version of something she had learned. She said she realized she had to stop being in romantic partnership with people's highest potential. Mm. And it was like, for me, it was like, oh my God. It was like, you know, the part of me that had been going, well, they'll transform or they had a terrible childhood. The excuses I was making to justify sticking through the bad behavior because one day maybe they would change. And what I realized was, no, Lee, you have to be actual with people, not hopeful. You have to be actual. And as Maya Angelou always said, if people tell you who they are, pay attention. And I, I didn't want to. I wanted to live in the more romantic version of them. And so I, I had to really dig deep into where that came from. And part of it for me became befriending pain and learning not to run from pain in myself as much. So I was no longer choosing people who were in a certain level of pain that I would then get myself in relationship with. Um, so it's, it's multi-layered and it's complex, but I always remember that being a light bulb moment for me. And I know I've mentioned romantic relationships, but it's the same with a friend, an employer, a, you know, their bad behavior will grate on you and grate on you until one day you decide, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have the time to spend in this dynamic because I'm missing something much better, much more connected, much more kind by allowing myself to stay in this. And sometimes you have to go, oh, yeah, this is my childhood. And I've just hired this person, this friend, to play out the dynamic that I had with my mother all these years. That's why we have to do the work of self-awareness as well <laughs> as the work of spiritual seeking, which is why, to me, I always loved spirituality, but I also loved therapeutic work, personal growth, personal development. I needed both to integrate my wider spiritual self and my human self. And again, I think that goes back to the whole multidimensional nature of everything we need to do for ourselves, but we are also here to serve, but to serve in a healthy way is not by being abused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it's funny too, because the Z's, my guides, they will say that when you, as I think I said earlier, when you clean these things up in yourself, you clean up the energy template of that on the planet. And I'm quite struck by in the last seven years, we have seen this enormous rise of awareness around uh, racial prejudice and mistreatment and imbalance. And I'm not saying it, it wasn't already there, it was, but I feel like culturally the conversation has become a bit more aware for everybody. We've had the Me Too movement and the abuse of women and the misogyny that has been allowed to just be in the culture quietly and insidiously and sometimes very overtly. And I mean, we could now go round the list. I mean, we could pick all of the groups who have had to be marginalized or abused. And we're in this cultural conversation where really what I feel is we're talking about the human wounds, the parts of us that don't allow each other to be here and to flourish and to be connected. The idea that we have to push one group down in order to have power or superiority, that's wounded behavior. So, you know, if you're, if you're anything ist, you're wounded. You, you can't, you can't argue that. I mean, you would argue that because you wouldn't want to hear that. You wouldn't see it. You wouldn't like it. 
but you can't argue that there's no reason to need to oppress or push someone else down or abuse your power over them unless there's some level of power wound in you and the z's would say you know we live on a planet where power wounds are flying around in all of us in subtle or overt ways and so that's part of the work we're doing we're healing ourselves we're healing culturally we're healing collectively mm, yeah absolutely there's a section in your book the new book, book two, Conversations with Disease, Awaken Your Multidimensional Soul, which is the second book that I wanted to read because I think it's so relevant to what we are talking about. It's talking about your heart is powering the show. It doesn't mean the heart is superior or can work in isolation for all the other parts of you, but it is the sun. And I had tapped that because there's a section talking about heartbreak, but that's okay, there is wounding, there's wounding everywhere, but the heart is the center. It can power that. And again, it's not a bypass that, oh, yay, I'm in my heart now. Everything is good. But it's that you're realizing your heart is your son. It is your center. And then the book goes on to say, you often think of heartbreak as coming from your heart. But it's not. It tends to be the mind replaying past low vibrations. Mm. And I was thinking about that when you were talking about, you know, racial inequality, the Me Too movement, all of those things. Yeah, the mind is replaying some of the, the past. This is awful. The heart knows us to be connected. The heart knows us to be worthy. The heart knows us to be loved. Yeah, thank you for reading that. And it's funny because as I listen to that, because of course, as the channeler of this information, it doesn't mean I know it, it doesn't mean I've integrated it. And as I hear that, I think of the times that I get caught in recycled pain, my mind is always involved. I don't mind if I'm grieving just through my body and having a release and I'm at peace and I'm allowing that emotion to move through. But I do mind <laughs> if I'm like in my head, of, oh, you know, I. And I think we can all relate to that. So the, the part about the heart and the sun is, is very interesting to me. I can share that, and we're all different. So maybe your listeners and viewers can relate to this in their way, or maybe they relate to what I'm about to say. Recently, in the last, I would say, couple of years especially, and just very the last few weeks, I'm having this quite intensely again. I have these moments of feeling just very in my heart about the world and they're all really small things. They are seeing the beauty of the light on the mountains where I live. They are hearing a bird. They are watching our cats do something crazy with each other. I'm not saying that there aren't wonderful things happening in my life in other areas, but but for me, what I've learned now to notice, and I didn't understand this experientially, even though the Z's were explaining this for years, it's taken me years to experience what they're talking about. There is something about when your heart is just open. It's not necessarily that you're running around, jumping around excitedly. I mean, that's an expression of heart energy, but that's with the volume up to 10. And that's not really sustainable. You're gonna to need to lie down at some point. But there's something about that just peaceful openness where you're like, oh, my mind is still, my heart is open. I feel the center of my chest and I feel how the center of my chest is connected to things that I'm seeing and around me. And that's really 
like for me that's my favorite that's extraordinary and so when it when i feel that happening through me i really celebrate it when i notice i'm a little stressed or i'm in my mind there are certain things i will do to reset myself and you know one quick and easy thing is what's the music that soothes you what's the calming music or the the voice the singer that always that's a really quick and easy okay i'm just going to put that vibration in the room so it can start to dilute some of this that i might be feeling so that's what came to me when i when i heard what you were reading back from the what the z's had said in that part of the book and i love that you mentioned your cats because whenever i see my cats grooming each other yeah. oh my heart just blossoms i don't know why i love that so much but you're right it's the small things it's beautiful and cats are such i mean all pets and animals are such vibrational animals but yeah yeah it seems to me that there is almost an aspect of letting yourself open letting yourself appreciate and breaking out of the story and allowing to be allowing what is to be yeah yeah that's it it's funny and um, i love what you're throwing at me because every time you throw something at me something pings in my head so thank you i i there's something i want to say which is i had several people in my life who were either spiritually uh i don't want to say superior because i don't think they were thinking they were superior when they were giving this advice but spiritually superior or therapeutically bossy about where they thought I should be on my journey. And I had a few people a couple of times say, you need to drop that story. And I remember being a bit jarred at the time. And it, it's fine if you don't want to hear someone's story or you can't connect to or relate to that level of feeling. But what I learned was, no, sometimes my story, I had to work out, are they right? Or are they just not comfortable with the fact that I'm sharing that I have some grief right now? So for me, I had to find my balance point between the story won't just go away because I tell it to. And the story won't just go away because I read in a spiritual book that I should drop my story or that I should just be, you know, celebrating gratitude. That's helpful, but that's like saying, if I read Muscle Fitness magazine, I'm going to be really fit doesn't work like that. No, you read Muscle Fitness magazine, you try and find, oh, well, I could maybe do that exercise. You go to the gym, you go, oh, God, can't believe I can't lift this. But keep lifting it for three weeks and you'll be like, oh, I'm, it's a little easier for me to lift this. And then there will be a psyche change and there will be a functionality change. You know, it's like we have to compound every change we want to make. We can't just wish it and it's there. And I think it is true that we need to evolve any stories that are uncomfortable in us. But what I I'm speaking for myself, I needed to learn compassion for the stories that were alive in me. Because if I went at them too aggressively, or if I had people in my life that I had believed who was like, Oh, you should be over that. I wasn't going to get over it. That wasn't going to work for me. For me, I, I knew they were right. But I couldn't just click my fingers and not have this thing moving through my body and my mind. I needed to, whenever it got hold of me, I needed to try different things, get a new level of awareness on it. And, and I think that's true for most of us. I can't speak for everyone. So I think the way I see it is 
we let go of stories because and when we evolve new ones. So you can sit in your house and go, oh, I'm not ready for a relationship because I need to heal all my wounds. And I would say, no, you're going to heal wounds. You're going to, in a relationship, wounds are going to come up. Wounds are going to heal. Don't sit in your house for three years thinking you've got to clear yourself of all your wounds because that's the slow path. Say to yourself, okay, I've got some relationship wounds. Welcome to humanity. And I'm going to be willing to find someone where I can be honest about that. And they're going to say to me, oh, yeah, me too. And I'm like, oh, cool. We're on the same page. You're not afraid to admit that there are things that you're scared of. So we're a good match because you're not going to try and play some performance game with me that makes me a bit uncomfortable. And I try and keep up with you. And then I'm in another one of those betrayal relationships because there's a lack of honesty that's fundamentally already there. No, we're a vibrational match and we're an honesty match. The Z's always say that... Um, compatibility is the most important thing for connection. We often talk about, oh, I'm so in love with them. And they're like, great, how compatible are you? Because it's easy to be in love. It's easy to love people. People are lovable. Like if you can get beyond your judgments or their barriers, people are lovable. But compatibility is how we have great friendships, great romantic relationships, great business partnerships, because there are shared values, shared ways of being, shared ways of seeing the world. And the more of those you stack up, that's when you find your best friends, your, you know, and maybe that changes after a decade because you grow differently. So I've gone off on a complete tangent somehow, but that's where we are. <laughs> that's perfect. And because of this tangent, once again, there's like 48 different areas that I would love to <laughs> explore. What I do want to call to the forefront, though, you mentioned judgment and knowing where you are and having other people tell you, you should get over that story or you should be beyond that by now. And I talk about the energy of judgment a lot because it's powerful. And for me, for my story, when I found out that my husband had betrayed me, and my listeners know it was a significant betrayal, 15 years with multiple women, significant. My head was very angry, obviously. I was in the story, but there was something in me that knew our relationship wasn't done. I knew that. I knew I needed to evolve. I knew he needed to evolve. I knew it wasn't done. And you had mentioned compassion. And I had compassion for him, for me, for this situation. I also had curiosity. And the most difficult, maybe not the most, one of the most difficult aspects of that healing journey was telling people, I don't feel that it's right to leave right now. Now is not the time to leave. We're not done. I don't know what's unfolding, but it's unfolding. And I always thought that was an interesting dynamic that I'm healing myself. I'm moving into something significant. I'm moving through past wounding. And now I have to contend with your judgment of where I stand along my way. Wow. Oh, I love that you bring this up because I was just talking with a friend about, you know, your friends just love you and they just want you to be okay. And they will trust your lead unless they see that you're damaging yourself. And if they see you're damaging yourself, they'll intervene. And then there are those friends or those people that you know who can't get out of their own way 
when you share a story with them and they can't help but replay their own situation. Oh, I'm getting divorced. <gasps> oh no, divorce is awful. Well, no, actually what you've gone into is like your own memory recall and now you're projecting that on me. And if I'm not really clear about that, I'm going to walk away going, oh my God, divorce is awful. <gasps> you know, so this is where knowing who we are and being clear about who we are is really important because you can't comment on another person's relationship because you're not in the middle of it. Unless you're the third person in that relationship, whether it's business, friendship, whatever, that's a dynamic between two people that you can never truly know. I really love that you that you chose that for yourself because one of the most tricky things, and I learned this the hard way, I was definitely someone who had some dramatic endings in relationships. Um, and now I know that for the best of my ability, don't do that. Uh, and if it happens to you, it's one thing, but if you're willing to like, just pull out of a relationship because you're like, oh, this isn't right. There's going to be learning that you didn't get and that you didn't integrate with that person that you're going to take into the next relationship. So I love that you held space for this, whatever period of time it was, or perhaps you're still together and it did transform. I think that's really cool. And I think, I think it's, I think what is most important, and maybe this is the piece that other people need to hear is, I'm not staying in the relationship I was in. That's dead. I am staying to see if me and this person can become 2.0 and I'm gonna have very accountable conversations with them and I'm gonna watch their behavior and mine and I'm gonna see are the two of us creating something new together and is that possible and is, is he willing to be honest with himself and with me now? Because the thing about people having affairs is there is a level of secrecy they're addicted to. Otherwise they wouldn't have the affairs, they'd leave the relationship. There's something about creating a secret private space inside them. You think they're having an affair with another person, but actually no, they are as charged by the secrecy as they are by the sex or the emotional relationship they're having with this other person. So their work is not, oh, I need to stop having affairs. Their work is, wow, where is my integrity out of balance that I need to have this secret life, this secret world? What's that about? Why can't I fully be myself in my life, in my expression, in my truth, in my relationships? Or maybe you need to realize, I don't want monogamy and then be honest about that. Don't force your desire onto someone you've made a monogamous agreement with because that's betrayal and that's not in integrity. So it's very complicated. And I think, you know, you, you know who your friends are by the way they show up for you when the chips are down. And if they're just heaping their own judgment and fear at you, that's not helpful. And you have to go, okay, I'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you said something what is this really about? Basically, when you said an affair, it's about secrecy. It's so, I love that you said that so much because I think there are so many situations in life where we think it's about what's happening on the surface, but it's about something that's underneath. It's something inside. Yeah. And that honestly, that's what the Z's have taught me. I mean, certainly the personal development work I've done for sure with some great um, teachers, authors, workshop leaders, uh, you know, psychologists, therapists, definitely it's, I've needed all of it, but the Z's are really good at boiling it down to the layers of energy that I might not be seeing. And that now influences my perspective. So I no longer see things as, 
a spade is a spade and a fork is a fork. I'm like, nah, there's a lot going. Sure, it looks like a spade and a fork, but there's a lot to it. Just like the person in the grocery store is not the expression you see on their face. You think, oh, they look miserable. They're not miserable. They're just quiet, internal, and they don't know what their face looks like. But the minute you start talking to them, you're like, oh, wow, they're really nice. So, you know, this this kind of surface level uh, perspective that we all have um, is something that we need to change. And I think the other truth is, and this is something I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm 47, so I'm not yet old, I guess, but I'm also no longer so young that I can't see this about life. It's like, oh my God, we just all keep changing all the time. And your body, your genetics, the state of the world, your relationships, your life circumstances, we have to constantly evolve through them. And there will be threads of who we are, maybe from childhood, all the way through our life. And that's beautiful. But we're going to be changed by life. And so if you're trying to hold on too tightly to anything or anyone, the only thing you're going to do is cause yourself pain. I love, again, the concept of change. And when I was reading both of these books, book one, as well as book two, that was evident that these answers, quote unquote, answers that the Z's are giving, that the guys are giving, your guides are giving. It's not that there's one way of doing it. It's almost like the answer or the the knowledge can be applied to you differently every single time you read it. So if you're reading it in a more constricted state, it will elevate you a little bit. If you're reading it in a very expansive state, it might have the ability to affirm or to elevate or again, to walk you around to yet a different perspective. So it's applicable for any age, any stage, anywhere people are, it's helpful. That's so true because one of the things they say, and I've heard them say this for years in recordings and in the books, and and it's I've, I know it's true because I've experienced it and so have the people who gather around the work. And this is true of anything I think that's coming through a more spiritual lens, any teaching, any voice, any anything, is it will meet you where you are. And if you go back to it a week later, the reaction it caused in you will no longer be in you and you'll get a different layer. And they've always said that. They've said, if anything that we say gets you a little hot under the collar, revisit it a few days later and you'll be surprised because you're burning through some layers of rigidly held belief or because if you just read it and went, well, I don't believe that, it wouldn't affect you. But if you read it and you go, oh my God, you know, there's something burning, there's something moving. And so they they say, come back and see how it affects you next time. And and I, I, I've directly experienced that. And I know many people in my community have. So, yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like both book one and book two are things that you could go back to. You know, you talk about your year and a half on the floor. Listeners, if you're in a year and a half on the floor, I don't know, wherever you're at on your journey, these are things that you can go back to and just take those little nuggets. It's not that you have to read it from point A to point B, outline it and memorize it and follow the steps. It's that, oh, there's a little nugget here and that shifted something. Oh, wow. Now I understand it's in the past. It's in my head and my heart is moving forward. I love that. And it's funny. Here's how I understand the work I do with disease. Yes, they give a lot of really interesting information. And that information might help 
fill in a piece for you in your journey of collecting information about the world or a new perspective. It might give you a light bulb moment and that's all great. And that's its own thing. But the thing I really understand it's doing is it's intuitively opening you. Because when you engage with that vibration, uh, you're basically listening to it from the highest part of yourself that day. Even if the highest part of yourself that day is not great, you're depressed, you've eaten too many donuts, you've got to stop watching Netflix. So you're like, oh God, I'll read this book because I need, I need to somehow change my pattern. Um, it will still be that you meet it in the highest vibrational part of yourself. And the more we engage with that part of ourself, the more we kind of drag the lower parts up, like the lower parts get less low slowly over time. So, um, yeah, I agree with what you, what you said about that. And I think one of the things I've heard from people, which makes me happy and why I think I'm a channeler at this time and why I'm doing it is because my own intuition has developed and grown and my own wider seeing of the world has developed and grown through this material. And I know that vibrationally, that's what happens for many people when they're exposed to channeling. So yes, you do not need to agree with everything, understand everything, make notes, because this is not a black and white learning. This is a, this is a multidimensional learning. And so I know for some people, they'll read it and go, well, I don't even know what this is. It doesn't make any sense to me. Then it isn't for you. But for those who don't have that experience, it's like doorways in themselves can open, whether it's me and the Z's, whether it's Esther Hicks, whether it's, you know, your, your wise friend down the street who just dispenses life wisdom that makes you see a different thing, that, that brilliant Uber driver who blows your mind with their kindness and their brilliance on that day that you get in the car and you're a bit sorry for yourself. And then the universe goes, here's a little angel. And you're like, oh yeah, they're, you know, they're everywhere. And, and I will be the angel for someone else on another day. But thank you, Uber driver, you, your light reconnected me and I needed that today. And I love that about life. And that's what I think also about like your empaths and narcissist course. And you've got another course coming up that I'd like to close with, but it's not about identifying he or she is a narcissist. I am an empath. They did this. It's an energetic shift in understanding. Thank and you for saying that. Yeah, I knew this is the tricky thing about anything you put out into the world. I knew when I put that course out in 2018, and this was before it became as big in the cultural conversation as it is now. I knew the risk was the labels, but I also knew that my course was for people who perhaps identified more as empaths because that's the world I've come from and they're the people I know better. So perhaps a psychologist might be better at talking about um, narcissists and not from the empath slant. So, but the reason it's so important what you just said is it's, it's very easy and lazy to slap the label of narcissist on that friend that just annoyed you. And we're often quick to do that on that friend that just annoyed us. And we're not as quick to, to recognize the areas in our life. Like I had to take an inventory of the friends I was more narcissistic with. It didn't mean I was behaving in damaging narcissistic ways to them, but perhaps I'd got drained in my narcissistic relationships. Then I'd have these giving loving friend or two that I would go to to film myself back up and they were willing to do it and I was doing that for other friends but it was like oh look at the I, I'm imbalancing myself over here and then luckily I've got this angel who's filling me up over here but that's not great for them you know so it, 
narcissism has a whole spectrum within it and so does empathy and i've met empaths who fiercely want to protect that they're empaths and i'm like we're all empathic don't box yourself in just being an empath because that's actually quite a fixed reality and yes there are actual textbook narcissists who are very much wired that way and they can be on the extremes of being sociopathic and but imbalanced relationship dynamics is also part of the immaturity that we're in as a, as a world you know we don't we're not taught what is a balanced relationship. We're taught how to behave. Very few of us were taught how to pay attention to the energy in a relationship and understand what was going on. So many of us had to turn to spirituality, personal growth, to go and fill in that gap that we weren't given in our education system where we were given rules. The problem with rules is different rules work for different people. So it's not one size fits all. So I love that you bring up that none of us are just an empath, just a narcissist. And it, it, it's a very uh, trendy thing right now to go, oh, there's such a narcissist. And it's like, the way you just rolled your eyes tells me you're not immune from that either. And yeah, maybe they didn't behave well, but how about telling them that? And then going, oh, sorry. And then you transform that. You don't put them in a box. And this is why communication and transformation is so important, apart from in those cases where You've got someone who is a real textbook narcissist sociopath who isn't going to be able to change or very easily or you're not the person to facilitate that job and then you need to kind of get yourself away and recover and figure out what was it that you were attracted to in the first place and one of the things i talk about in the conclusion of the course is usually a good narcissist has a lot of charisma and a lot of power and many times we can be attracted to their charisma and power as we go in but usually by the time we leave we have become devoid of our own charisma our own sparkle our own light our own power um, and it, it's interesting to watch that there are certain people we have in the public eye who we all know are narcissist you know very narcissistic and you look at their wives or their partners and you see their light fade over 10 years and you're like oh she looked really light 15 years ago. Now she looks drained and like she's been vampired. So the question I ask in the course is, will you reclaim your own charisma and power for yourself without hiring it out to someone who might be using charisma and power over others? And there's often this attraction that it took me a while to work out, but yeah, we'll let them have all the power or uh, we'll give them our charisma or we'll dim our charisma or our power if they are threatened by the competition that ours might give. So it's a very interesting journey that you take yourself on when you get into those kinds of relationships. That is interesting. And it, it, I'm going to have to think about that because there's a lot there. You also have another course coming up soon called Soul Magic. And I'd love to end with having you talk a little bit about that and let listeners know where they can learn more about that, buy your book, learn about the portal, all of your wonderful work. Oh, great. Thank you. Well, we um, So I started doing these annual retreats in first Hawaii and then Costa Rica called Soul Magic. And it would be an immersive week with a group of people and of course because of um covid we had to cancel uh we had to delay and delay and then we had to cancel so one of the key features at soul magic was in the evenings i would channel 
while Davor Bozic, who is my um, music collaborator, we create musical albums together, um, and also my dear brother, my friend, um, he would play music intuitively while I channeled. And these channeled messages would go for an hour. And then at the end, we would usually bring in a song that we had composed that somehow fitted the theme of what the channel was going to be. So Soul Magic in June is an online version of that experience. Devore and I came together over here in my the other side of my studio where I'm recording this right now. And we filmed an experience of the Z's walking you through becoming the new human soul. Like who are we becoming? And how do we become that? So it looks at relationships, magnetism and abundance, boundaries. How are we becoming those next versions of ourselves? So each uh, 70 minute sequence will take you on a journey deeply inside yourself. So the end effect is you get transformed, you get uplifted and you understand how to see things in your life so that you can create that transformation. And we've got lots of lovely bonuses within the course, including a live concert with Deva Pramal and Miten, who are just dear hearts to me. And, and their music is music that I have loved for many, many years. And I'm happy to, to know them and for them to have said yes and come and be part of this. So yeah, Soul Magic will be happening in mid-June. I forget the date exactly, but I wanna say it starts around June 14th. But you can find it at my website, leeharrisenergy.com. And then you mentioned the portal. That's my monthly members community where every month I do a deep dive live broadcast for my members with the Z's. And it gives me a chance to really go in depth on what's happening on the planet, what's coming up for you. And, and alongside that, I bring a wealth of tools, offerings every single month, including a guest teacher. So people like Deva Pramal and Maten, um, David G. Uh, we've had so many people. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't even list the people, but there's this whole library of content in there. So it's it's a bit like a, a Netflix for your, your spiritual and your human self to uplift you, to educate you, to support you. Um, and that is celebrating its 10 year anniversary this month. I can't believe it. We've been running the portal since uh, May of 2013. Wow. Congratulations. That's pretty exciting. Thank you. I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So listeners, I'd absolutely recommend that you check out LeeHarrisEnergy.com, all of his different offerings. I know you will enjoy either of these books or any of his work. And in the meantime, have an amazing week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 